Come on, church. I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron. If we haven't met, we'd love to meet you. But listen, Jesus, nothing else, nothing less. Today's sermon is also about nothing more. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Y'all getting turkey? I'm not even getting turkey this Thanksgiving. What happened? Mom, you used, you used to love me, Mom. My mom's here. This is Pastor Beth. We call her. She's retired now, but we, uh, we honor them by calling them pastors. My mom and dad uh, were my pastors for a long time. And now the worm has turned, and I'm in charge. And uh, I'm really enjoying that. I'm just kidding. Um, also, if you don't get sarcasm, that's kind of our spiritual gift around here. Um, I'm not preaching a Thanksgiving message. I don't know that I've ever preached a Thanksgiving message. It's not because I'm not super thankful. I am, but I just don't want to be told what to do by society. Um, no, I'm, I'm, we're preaching a sermon series called Frank and Jesus right now. Um, it's going to be actually really great. I'm excited about it. But a couple of housekeeping things. Next uh, week, we're going to three services. That's, that's not just for next week. So that's uh, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. That's not just for next week. So... Yeah, people have been asking uh, Pastor Aaron about that. I'm like, no, that's not just for next week. Like, our family is growing. We're not going to be like, hey, we're going to adopt you. And like, uh, and you can go back to wherever you came from. And so um, thank you for helping make more bunk beds and giving up your chair. And, uh, but also we need help, too, because uh, adoption takes a, a bit of work. And so get on the dream team. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Get your kids on the dream team. So I know what's going to happen in youth. You're going to be like, I just wish my kids served in church more. And I'm going to be like, they didn't because you didn't. So, ooh, oh, shots fired. All right. Um, we were, who's at the, the concert last night? Oh, super fun. Okay, so that was like Flame. I ate McDoubles with Flame after. We didn't know they were going to be there, but we hung out. I asked him, you know, I asked him, I'm like, is it too late for me to be a rapper? Like, be honest. And he's looking at me, he's like, you know, God can do anything. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, is it because I'm too old or is it because I'm white? And he's just like. <laughs> and once again, where are my Africans and Rwandans at? Second service. I know you're coming to the second service. No, I just love you guys so much. Um, Lecrae was there. Uh, Michael W. Smith was there. It was my, uh, I was, I was emceeing it and I got handed the mic. I got a panic phone call like, Flame is done. He's walking up. Like, I'm like, what now? And so I had an extra 12 minutes to kill. So, um, anyways, it was pretty fun. Um, I got hugged by Michael W. Smith, everybody, multiple times. I was sitting backstage and I didn't know that his head was in front of me. And so when I found out it was him, I started videoing his head with my flashlight on. And, and Ezra is taking pictures. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is how cameras work. So anyways, it was great. It was a great. Can I just say something about Pastor Aaron a little bit? She threw her back out yesterday, and she made it. And now God has, like, healed her. So here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say, because I know people are struggling with sickness right now. Sickness is like bad turkey, man. Spit it out. Eat some scripture. Let's go. God is the God of healing power. Let's go. But you know what? Often you get healed as you go. And so I want you to build some, because if the devil can paint a target on you called sickness, and every time you get sick, you just like don't or can't even, I'm like, what do you think is coming next? Because if, if I was the devil and I figured that out, I'd just be like, I'm just going to keep broken you with sickness, you know? I'm coming to church unless we have a fight. I'm like, why would you say that out loud? All right. 
Um, also, I'm going to try to be a rapper. I'm going to do it. All right. Franken, Franken Jesus explores the human tendency to piece together a sort of Jesus that looks a little like him and a lot like us. We want salvation and purpose, but we want to control it too. The reason Jesus can never be controlled, uh, the real Jesus can never be controlled by us. Sometimes we give into the temptation, like uh, the children of Israel did when they made a golden calf, to create another version who allows us to move our target uh, to where the arrows are flying. So um, here's something. I feel like somebody's been struggling with this this week. I've just been noticing it in the church. Frank, listen, Frank and Jesus will allow you to be insecure as a child of God. The real Jesus... The world out there, we like, look, everybody's insecure. I'm like, no, no, no. If you're a son or daughter of God, why don't you just call it what Jesus thinks it is, and it's called sin. I can tell, because this is what happens. You get insecure, you get suspicious, then you project your problems on somebody else. Come on, somebody. I know, I know when you're projecting that you're not close to Jesus, because if you were close to Jesus, you wouldn't feel that way about yourself. You're listening to somebody else saying something, and you're, oh, this Frank and Jesus series is going to be good. Thanks, Sean. It's going to be good. Real Jesus won't let you get by with second best because he's given you the power for first best. That doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Jesus gives you the power for that too. Um, now, the second Corinthians, Paul says to the Corinthians, for you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a pseudo Jesus. So um, they, they didn't have Frankenstein back then because Mary Shelley hadn't written her book yet. So, but if they had, he'd have been like a Franken Jesus right there. You, you gladly tolerate, we tolerate too much stuff, by the way, right now. We're like tolerating kids playing in traffic. Like in their mentalities and sexuality. Come on, everybody. I'm like, we're tolerating it. We're like, oh, I just want to play in traffic, Dad. Oh, that's okay. Like, just find yourself, you know. Not in traffic. Okay. You gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a Franken-Jesus, not the Jesus we have preached. You have accepted a spirit and gospel that's false rather than the spirit and gospel you once embraced. How tolerant you became of these imposters. So back in the day, when you look back and read the Old Testament, and you should do that because it's the foundation for what Jesus did and problems that he solved. But back in the day, there's actually a scripture in the prophets, and I didn't, I didn't write this one down. Just go find it. But God is like, are you serious, Israel? You're literally making idols with your hands that then you got to prop up and shim up from underneath so they don't fall over. And then you worship these things like they matter and like they can help you. And you're like, yeah, you know, I'm glad we, you know, we're not Old Testament people. We don't do that at all. Some of you, your mentality and your, your worldview is so not biblical. And the way that you think and your emotions are so opposed to real Jesus that you got to prop them up or they're going to fall over. Well, today, I would just suggest let's let them fall over. In fact, there's another solution we're going to get to by the end. Um, Israel creates a golden calf. Now, we create a Franken-Jesus. That's like, I love Jesus. Uh, I love love Jesus. But I wish that he wasn't just. Right? But if you're unjust, that's not love. Right? All right. So um, I'm going to take all the parts about love, and I'm going to highlight them, and all the other ones about things like suffering, I'm just going to take them out of my Bible. I'll preach it to my kids, but just for me. All right. Um, I like rewards, but I don't like consequences. Like, I want to sow bad seed and get a good harvest, God. Um, I like heaven, so there must be no hell now. Right? Like, we're just going to take that out. That's not a thing. Well, hell wasn't made for you. You don't have to go. Um, now, if you wrote the Bible, and some of you think you do, 
You know, like, you'd, when your husband's reading it, it would just change in front of his eyes. And he'd be, like, reading it. You know, thou shalt not. And then you just, like, you just do this little, like, thing. And his Bible changes to thou shalt not leave thy dishes on the counter. Because he just put his, you know what I'm saying? You'd rewrite it every day, like society's been trying to do, uh, to move the target to where your errors are going. Well, it's not going to make you feel good, and it's not going to help. Thou shalt read thine emails, men, about men's breakfast on Saturday. Because I know, like, 70 of you or a million of you are going to show up, and 12 of you are going to sign up because you don't read your own emails. And your wives are like, I keep telling you about this. Just sign them up. I'm the man of the home. I should sign up for that. I'm like, well, then do something because leadership is for doing stuff. That's all I'm saying, everyone. And all the ladies said, amen. Yeah, preach that, pastor. Yeah, do stuff. All right. Listen, um, a relationship with Jesus is just so different. It's so different. See, before you got married, you saw his living room, and he had his socks on the floor, and you said to yourself, well, that won't happen when we get married. Like, this man needs me. How, how to work out. We got any socks on the floor? We had the toilet paper argument. We've been married 24 years. And I walk into the bathroom and the toilet paper's wrong. And some of you are like, there's a wrong way? I'm like, go to a different church. Like, is this literally, they're not teaching anything that, that matters in school anymore. There's only one way to put toilet paper on. I mean, like, and we fought about this for five years. And I go in there and I'm just like, We've been through this. Here's, here's what we do. That man plus me is going to make plus me, plus me, right? Um, no human relationship can compare to this because God is not a fixer-upper. He's the fixer and you're the project. He doesn't need, I mean, he's just, it's, it's a relationship you have nothing you can compare to. He doesn't need your help, but you should help because you need to. People are like, I don't go to church because God doesn't need my money. No, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your affection. He doesn't need your worship. You need to give it. Like, he doesn't need to eat or sleep or go to the bathroom, but you should. <laughs> Starting to feel it? All right. You should. It's it's. He doesn't need you to get baptized. You need it. He was fine before you. He'll be fine if you go. He is still going to be God. He doesn't need church people to add to what he said and make up a bunch of rules to help them keep his rules. Oh, shots fired. We may find a church people all the time here. I, I, I go with that little inner Pharisee inside of you, that little like self-righteous deal that forgets that you're as bad as everybody else. You know, a little like, oh, no, I've... You know, the Pharisees thought they couldn't even sin anymore. That's literally what they thought. Like, we're kind of above all that. Oh, my goodness. Um, church people love helping, <laughs> helping God. I used to help my dad discipline my brother Ryan. I'm like, you just, you know how it is when you get a little older. You have your first kid and you, like, use all your discipline and then, like, you run out. And then the kids, you know, then the older brother's got to help. And I did. And then, uh, and then dad would use his discipline on me. Church people do this all, all the time. I heard this growing up, um, like God hates alcohol. Well, let me just say, like, 
if you're an addict, you need to get off it. But you can be an addict to gossip too, right? So, so church people. Um, so I, what I what I want to say is like, and I've asked you know since we planted it, I've asked uh, I've had zero people ask me like, what's Venue Church's stance on alcohol? Because I've had zero people ask me, but like our stance on everything is the Bible. If we could just clear that up, so you don't have to email us anymore, it's just what the Bible says. So like we're not a, we're not going to change it. Why? Because it's Frank and Jesus. We don't want to change it, right? So anyways, God hates alcohol. And so I was sitting in Bible class, and the Bible teacher, I'm always on, like, I'm always on public school teachers for, like, hey, don't teach our kids sex. You don't know anything about it. Teach math. Well, okay, Christian school. I grew up in a Christian school. And, like, the Bible teacher is telling us, this is literally what he's saying. Well, Jesus turned water, anybody hear this in church, into non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> right? Like, it's non-alcoholic wine. Right? Like, it wasn't real wine. It wasn't a, because they had taken a stance already against alcohol. Against all alcohol. And I, I get why they did it, because they came out of the hippie movement and the sexual revolution, and they just wasted their lives with alcohol. And so I, I get why they were afraid of it, but you being afraid of it doesn't help God parent your kids. And so what they did for quick compliance was they're like, no alcohol, and God hates it too. And God hates rock music, and God hates drums, because there's drums in Africa, and there's witch doctors there. Literally. <laughs> drums went on stage in churches and split churches. I mean, it was a big deal. You don't get it because you're like, you think this is normal if, you just, if you've never been to church. But I'm talking about church people. So it's like God hates and like non-alcoholic wine. But I remember being able to read as a child and reading like, well, we all know that it says that, that the master of the feast came. was like, boy, everybody else brings out the bad wine when everybody has well drunk because they can't taste it anymore. But you brought the good stuff out now. And I'm like, how much non-alcoholic wine do you have to drink? You know what I'm saying? Like, how much? Because I can read stuff. Does it make any sense? Paul the Apostle's like, here's the barrier, guys. Don't get drunk. Now, the, God doesn't say getting drunk is wrong, but Paul's like, if you, if you draw it here, it's a good boundary, because if you get drunk, you're gonna, it leads to destruction. You're going to do stuff that you regret. Don't get drunk. So that's where we are. If you've got a problem with it, don't touch it. All right. It's just it's like, but church people think that God needs help. You know, I was talking to Tambra. Is Tambra in the house? I was talking to Tambra, and she's like, yeah, she grew up in one of those like, super legalistic churches, and a guy had the nerve to walk in off the street and sit in the circle of elders. But he didn't know that that's what the chairs were for. And so two elders came over and grabbed him and picked him up and walked him out. And I was like, baptism numbers are going to be a bit low <laughs> in that place, right? <laughs> I had, a, I had a, a Christian school teacher one time that he was mad at the province because the passing grade was 50 and he thought it ought to be 60. So his solution that he announced to the class was, I'm just going to knock 10% off of everybody's test results. And I was like the odd Christian kid because everybody was pretty compliant. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that. You're mad at the province and you're going to take 10% off of my test because you're angry at the province? I'm like, what happens if I don't get any wrong? Well, you get 100. I'm like, what happens if I get one wrong? You get 85. I'm like, that don't make no sense. <laughs> like, what? And I got a, a lecture, not for the last time, about my Christian character award. Or my Christian character. I never won a Christian character award. <laughs> Joke's on them. I'm a pastor now. <laughs> God's like, I like that kid. I'm going to. I think I got 38% on that test anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Jesus is so alarming because he's already complete without you, so you have no leverage. See, you don't apologize because you're proud. He doesn't apologize because he's never wrong and he's humble enough to say it. Listen, 
You have no leverage. He could only get worse if he became what you wanted him to be. He could only get worse if he changed anything. There's no human relationship. There's no leverage. There's no like, well, if you do this, then I'll do this. And Jesus is like, but I don't, I'm not looking for self-esteem. Like he knows who he is. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is all. He is all loving. In fact, he is love. You take something out of that and you start mixing the unholiness and then he's not. Then I see church people do this all the time. You create this version called Franken-Jesus that's not Jesus anymore. It's like a little Jesus. When the light shines on it just right, it kind of looks like Jesus. But it's really just a bunch of corpses sewn together that doesn't smell right. (laughs) But rather than loving the stability and the care and the undeserved love and faithfulness, we try to make him into something else because we lack courage. Because it takes courage to live with a God who's always right and who's always perfect. And he's just like, it takes trust. We just lack it. Thank you. We end up with kind of a cadaver that's not truly alive, but it's like a, a little alive, you know. Um, then when things go south in your life, they go south really quick. Can I just explain this? Because... If it's already a corpse, corpses rot pretty quick. Okay, I'm going to get practical for all you people out there who don't understand how the world works. Animals die sometimes. Okay. People die sometimes too, so quit trying to escape death. All you CrossFit salad eaters. I'm not trying to escape death, guys. Um, there's 100%, just around 100% like Jesus, but just around 100% of death rate. Um, but so, so most animals, when they die, take some time to decompose. I, I know, uh, I saw a, a, where a crow died one time, and like within like a short period of time, and I can't really remember, but like a way shorter period of time, 30 feet away, I could smell the, the stench of it. And I asked somebody, like, why did that thing rot so quickly? And they said, because they eat rotting things. And I realized when it goes south for a, somebody who calls himself a Christ follower who has made another version of Jesus... That's not really holy and pure anymore. Create this other version that kind of gets you off the hook for your little pet deals that you like, you know, like sleeping in all the time and like getting angry when somebody else gets blessed and like watching that thing because somebody was mean to you at work, you know, I mean, stuff like that. When, When it goes south, it rots real quick because it's already rotting. We're already eating what's rotting, right? And so, um, but the moment Jesus is added to the rot of, ready? Self deception creeps in. Now, self deception is tricky. Because, um, like, here's a question. How would you know if you had deceived yourself? And the, the, you know, the most self-aware people in society are like, I would know. And I'm like, but you did it to yourself. It's not self-aware. You're the last person to know when this has happened. You'll never see it yourself. You're the last person to see it. Well, what do I do? Get in small group and serve because everybody else is like holding a mirror up like, that's not you. I was just telling my wife because I'm a great husband and everybody's like, that's not what she said. And I'm saying like, what? Self-awareness. Something in your head is wrong right now and you did it to yourself. I had a Newfie one time say to me something that was incredibly smart for Newfie. He said, 
I love newbies. They're hilarious. He goes, well, you don't know what you don't know. And I've been saying it ever since. I'm like, why did I not think that up? You don't know what you don't know. Every argument you have this week, why don't you just toss that in there too? Like, well, you don't know what you don't know. See, old Israel didn't forsake Yahweh when they started serving other gods. The reason they went to captivity, they didn't just wake up one morning. This is what the devil's like, well, that's not going to happen to you. They didn't wake up one morning and were like, we're done with Yahweh. We're going to go and serve these guys. Right? They didn't just wake up and decide to do that. Meaning, the devil's like, hey, great, go to church. But this is what they did. Serve Yahweh. That's fine. But, but add to supplement. If you want your crops to grow, you better serve Baal. And if you want sexual satisfaction, you'd better. And if you want long life, you'd better. And if you want health, you'd better. And if you want your kids to, these are the gods of those things. And you're like, well, we're glad we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. We do. We just don't call them that anymore. So the devil's like, go to church. Fine. He doesn't really care if you're serving a Franken Jesus because he's not really afraid of Franken Jesus. That can't wreck him. And wreck his work in your life. But he's like, just take a little piece of societal thinking about that. Just take a little woke about that. Just take a little of this and just take a little of that and just take a little. And just change the Bible to what, you know, makes you feel like Jesus loves you while you play in traffic. Um, so this whole idea is like, today's sermon is Jesus plus. Jesus plus anything is not Jesus. He was very clear about who he was. Don't add anything to Jesus. Exodus 32, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, he had gone up the mountain to receive the commandments. They gathered around Aaron. Now, this is, Aaron uh, was his um, older brother. Um, they gathered around Aaron. So Aaron was, like, in charge of the priests and the Levites, but, like, between Aaron, um, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, they were kind of like the three in charge, um, and then it would go down to the leaders of the tribes. This is like when I was a kid. I don't know what your mom was like, but I could talk my mom into stuff. And so I would gather around my mom with a well-practiced story. One time I said I had worked a sales pitch up for something I wanted to do. And I had talked, and my mom's like, actually, that sounds pretty good. And then she said words that every boy hates. Why don't you ask your dad? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not asking dad. She goes, why not? It sounds pretty good. I'm like, dad's never going to go for this mom, seriously. <laughs> My dad one time, he walked into a room, and I had been working on a pitch for him. And so I'm like, hey, dad. And he looks and sees my face and goes, nope, and keeps walking. He just goes. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So this is like gathering around Aaron, the priest. You know, like, Moses is not going to give us what we want, so we're going to go to the parent that will. Um, and they go to Aaron, and they're like, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. Like, we're getting a little tired of this other guy. He's a bit harsh. You're just like, give us some other gods. <laughs> this God seems kind of judgy. He's not very nice. Come on, Canadians. Like, this God's not very nice. We want to play in traffic a little bit. We want to have, like, sex with, you know, whoever and stuff like that. We just want to, like, do some stuff, you know? We don't know what happened to this fellow. This fellow. Aaron could have stopped the whole thing if he'd have been like, who? You mean Pastor Moses? This fellow. What? Who? You know, he brought us here from the land of Egypt. 
And when you get to this place after you, like, escape slavery, you know you, you know you got on your face and you're like, God, my teenager is on the wrong path. And God does something miraculous through venue youth, and then you take credit for it. You're like, I was due to get out of Egypt. Pharaoh was going to see how gifted I was. Let the people go, you know. You can see it like he's being super mean right now. The devil wants to get his foot on your neck. He'll trick you and get you out there. He wants his foot on your neck so he can take every piece of your life away from you and destroy everybody that you know one piece at a time. There is no quarter. There is no nothing that's going to be great. There's a, a reason that Aaron is not in charge. There's a reason. Aaron could be my pastor. Aaron could be talked to and stuff. Sorry, God hates sarcasm. That's another thing we heard when I was a kid. Like I think people hate sarcasm because they don't. They're not smart enough to get it. Whatever. Whatever. So Aaron said, Aaron's like, we want God. Just make us some gods. And Aaron's like, you know, we've been doing smart stuff. We should do something real stupid. Okay, he goes, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters. And bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings off of their ears and brought them to Aaron. And the church people were like, you shouldn't pierce your ears. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Some of your ears are so ugly, you've got to do something. <laughs> uh, have you ever looked at somebody's ears? I don't know. People see. If people have bad ears, like, you notice. But whatever. That's going to wreck every conversation in that lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. Then, <laughs> don't distract me. Okay. Then, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Like, I knew it. When it was the other god, I knew that it was this god. And we were just like, it's those earrings. I knew it. I knew it when we were leaving. I was looking at the earrings. I'm like, I'll bet you. Look, if the devil can get you suspicious of Moses, you'll get real stupid real fast. Look, any fool of a leader can make something shiny that you worship. Look, I could get every guy in Airdrie in a small group if I gave out beer. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. Okay. I'll give that one to you. I'll give that one to you. But it's like Franken-calf. I just want to sleep with my boyfriend. Franken-calf. I want to badmouth my husband and my girlfriends. Franken-calf. I just watched a little porn. Franken-calf. Can I skip church? Anything man makes, you can make a deal with. Man didn't make God. Anything you make with your hands or your heart, you can make a deal with. But you cannot make a deal with God. Now this, you need to know this, they weren't making a replacement God. They were making a supplement God. I mean, a lot of the commentaries are like, so this is what they're doing. They're like adding this calf that God maybe rides on. So they're like, maybe God rode this calf in front of us out of Egypt, right? So they actually are really supplementing Yahweh. And Aaron saw how excited, bad leadership, 
saw how excited the people got when he built something shiny. So he built an altar. It's typical Canadian leaders, by the way. Like, let's sacrifice a bunch of stuff to this crazy crap that we just made. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival, not to the calf, to the Lord. Frank and Jesus. Does your Frank and Jesus, here's what I say. We give ten, a tenth, Jesus said you should tithe, a tenth of our income we give to the Lord for adoption of somebody else. Frank and Jesus won't make you pay that. Pharaoh will take 20. So if you want to serve the devil, he'll take 20%. It's in the Bible. He'll take 20% and he'll make you a slave. Or you can give 10% back to the Lord and he'll watch after your kids and he'll rebuke the devourer and he'll fight your battles and he'll do all the things. And he'll adopt a bunch of kids and get them to heaven. Some people are going to get to heaven with a lot of opinions and nobody they brought with them. I heard somebody go on a rant about tattoos one time. You know, the old church deal. Like 15 minutes about tattoos. And I'm just like, where was it? Carmen was there. And she was texting me at the time, right? And I'm like, ask how many people with tattoos he brought to heaven. Before you're too judgy. I got these in prison anyways, so. <laughs> I've been to prison. It just makes church people laugh. Then the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. I mean, this is the first time they ever got to church before the first song started. <laughs> I can make a calf if it gets you to church on time. All right. After this, though, they celebrated with feasting and drinking. They indulged in pagan revelry. I mean, things got crazy. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down from the mountain. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. I like this part. It's like, it's like when the kids do something real bad, and they're like, your kids? Guess what your kids did? Moses like, my kids? I don't bring anybody from anywhere. God's like, man, it's your kids. Um, when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Because the, the stone tablets were God speaking, and this is God plus. He's like, no. You don't get a, no, we're not working this in. Either follow the Lord or follow anything else. But you can't, not both. Not both. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it to powder, threw it into the water, and washed everybody's mouth out with soap. He made people drink it. Now, sometimes y'all are like, oh, I just want you to be nice, Pastor Corey. Listen, this guy made millions of people eat soap. Sometimes I get revved up because I'm like, if I don't get revved up, I can't get you revved up, and you got to stop. You got to like... <sighs> Finally, he turns on Aaron and he goes, what did these people do to you to make them bring such a terrible sin on them? He's like, you had one job. One job. And Aaron's like, don't get so upset, my Lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. How does Aaron not reflect Moses' heart right now? What? Don't be so upset. 
I think you got to get a little upset. Everybody's upset right now at society and everything they can't control. Why don't you get upset about the Franken-Jesus that you made? Well, you want to get upset about something? Get upset about that self-deception you got. And then Aaron's like, they said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, watch what he says, take it off. Then they brought it to me. I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. I threw a bunch of church chairs in a fire and a Corvette came down. So I guess it's, I guess it's mine. That's how dumb it makes you. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Much to the amusement of their enemies. Much to the amusement of the devil. Come on, church. Jesus, nothing less. Jesus, nothing more. Frank and Jesus can't save you. We call on the name of Jesus. Not the Jesus you're making in your head up as you go. Not the Jesus you're like, I just want to do this little thing, so I'm just going to blackmail. Like, you know, I'll tell you what, Jesus. I, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little. I'll do this. I'll forgive a little if you. You're not talking to Jesus anymore. You're literally not talking to Jesus anymore. Because Jesus, you can't leverage him with anything that you do. He is unblackmailable. He's just like, do this and live or do this and die. Totally up to you. And we're like, well, I'm going to do this, but I don't want to die. And he's like, do this or do that. Totally up to you. Choice, Christianity. It's at the basis of Christianity. Choice. They're trying to take choice away from you right now. That's not a Christian thing. Decide this. Hurt yourself. Decide this. Be blessed. What do you want to do? Like Jesus, follow Jesus. You don't want to follow Jesus, don't follow Jesus. But we have to get to this place. Stop blaming society for a church problem. If the church was doing what the church ought to do, society wouldn't be in the shape it's in. So don't ever internalize what's going on out there and internalize it in yourself and then blame it. Listen, Aaron built every inch of Franken-calf, and you built every inch of Franken-Jesus. You built it. Nobody built it for you. You built it because you wanted to. So here is the solution. Are you ready? Here's the solution. You've got to take it out behind the barn and shoot it. Kevin O'Leary. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible sales pitch. It won't save anybody. It won't help you. It's not even God anymore. You're just worshiping an idol that you've got to prop up. And every time it fails, you never blame it. You just prop it up with something else that's stupid. Get the sugar packet. Prop it up with a sugar packet. That's great. Build your life on that. Can I, can I give you the solution to it? Moses, Moses got it. Light it on fire. Grind it to powder. And drink it. And never forget what it tasted. 